Hey there, guys. Welcome back to the Pair Connection Podcast. You're here with Schuler and Andy from PILT Paranormal. And this is our first podcast of the 2020 year. Andy, you excited? Oh, absolutely. Good, man. Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. I've been waiting. I think tonight we're going to have a pretty good set out for what we're covering, Andy, which tonight's topics are. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about haunted objects and haunted libraries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, stereotypical, old-fashioned type of paranormal activity. Right, Andy? Absolutely. So when it comes down to it, the uh, the old stereotype of libraries and haunted objects, I mean, I guess you can go straight to Ghostbusters. You know, when it comes to libraries, you think about the old witch down the aisle looking at a book and, you know, old history to it and all that stuff. And going back to libraries, actually PILT, our team, we were fortunate enough to actually investigate a library a couple times, once in 2017 and again in 2018. So, Andy, when it comes down to, let's see, there's there's obviously a lot that can be a haunt that can be a haunted object or you know different types of categories and specters, entities, energies. But when you think haunted objects, what's the first thing that comes to your mind, and why? Well, one of the most common misconceptions of haunted objects is a lot of people actually will call them possessed objects which is incorrect because objects cannot actually be possessed because they don't they don't have a soul or an organic body to actually take possession of so they're not possessed they're haunted and a haunted object is basically just an object that is being manipulated and moved by a spirit. That's a good breakdown. I like that. Because I, I have heard that misconception, you know, of it being possessed compared to being haunted. Right. I mean, a lot of people who, um, they they try to talk on this subject themselves and they will say possessed object. And possessed object is, is wrong. It's not, they're not possessed in any sense. Okay. So with that being said, Andy, moving into the haunted objects category, when, when you hear that, what do you think? Well, what's the first type of category, if you will, that pops into your head? Well, in my mind, whenever I hear haunted object, the first thing that pops into my mind is usually haunted dolls because they seem to be the most common um but there are really all sorts of haunted objects there are dolls there are toys there are books um even like balls can be haunted um even dishes and silverware anything really any object that a spirit can actually you know have the energy to move can be haunted so even in today's society andy like, we could even have haunted cell phones, podcast mics, Xboxes, and TVs now. It doesn't have to be just old Victorian era type of mindsets, right? Like books and pins and stuff. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I mean, there are a vast amount of objects that can actually be haunted by spirit. And uh, 
you know, I mean, like you said, with today's day and age, with technology and things like that, yeah, I mean, there there have been cases of electronics being haunted as well. Um, things like computers, TVs, cell phones, even things like blenders, microwaves, um, refrigerators, all sorts of things. Ooh. And I mean, I know with refrigerators, again, that goes into, you know, the whole Ghostbusters thing with like Gozer and all that, but <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one, Andy. You know, but, uh, but yeah, there, there have been cases where, you know, there actually have been cases where, you know, that scene where the food is just flying out of her refrigerator. Yes, I do recall that. I mean, there, there are cases where that particular thing has happened. So that actually is not as far-fetched as most people would think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it may not happen, like, exactly on TV or No, movies, I mean, they're not but... going to, like... The, the eggs are not going to, like, crack on the counter and just automatically cook. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> that'd, that'd be kind of cool. You know, and convenient yeah. if it was during breakfast time, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just saying. So... I would slap some bacon alongside that. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well have it brought out, man. So, Andy, what about the movie Christine? A haunted car. Oh. Is that possible, um, too, you believe? Ghost actually, cars. There, have, there have been cases of it. Okay. There have been cases of it in the past. So, yes, I do believe it's possible. Not to the extent of that movie. Yeah, yeah. But... You know, there have been cases of, you know, spirits hanging around in cars and things like that. And they, like, open doors for people or they'll mess with the radio or even, like, even, like, the the brake and the gas pedal when someone's driving. Wow. You know, they'll they'll mess with that even. Um, like in The Entity. Have you, have you seen that movie? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That one was okay. kind of underrated, in my opinion. I think it should have got a little more uh, no, if you will, but I enjoyed it. it. It was pretty spooky. Absolutely, because it's a true story. Now, that I did not know, Andy. It's based off of a, a single true story. It absolutely is a true story, yeah. Wow. I mean, there there are some, but there are parts in it that are fabricated, of course, because it is a movie. But, yeah, I mean, it's based on an actual thing that happened. Um, Do you know loosely of what it is, like the people in the store itself? Well, this woman, I I don't know her name offhand. I used to, but I can't remember it now. For some reason, it escapes me. But she was haunted by an incubus. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, like, all, all sorts of things happen to her, man. Like, really, really bad things. Things I don't even want to get into on the air. Well, but, just, uh, just saying the, the whole word of incubus or even succubus, I think people kind of get that general idea of what that entity would be capable of. Exactly. Exactly. It's not good. So, Andy, was this correlated, this story, from the, the movie The Entity and the true event? Did it go back to a haunted object? Or... <sighs> Um, I don't know if an actual object was the trigger for it or not. I don't believe so. Okay. I could be wrong, though. 
I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I know um, the original Entity movie came out in 1982, and I believe they made a remake of it in like 2009, 2010. Did Some, they? They did. Yeah, they they re, they had a remake. I'm gonna and, have to uh, try and find that. Yeah, it, it was. Both of them, in my opinion, are creepy. But you know, going back to the haunted objects, you know, um, I believe even with a malevolent, powerful entity such as the Incubus and Succubus. Even those type of entities could be attached to something, you know, whether it came from a demonic ritual or whether it was from some teenager or person that dabbled in magic or some something that they just didn't understand. It, I feel like they could manifest that type of creature into our world, into an object, and then whether or not that object's been cleansed or removed, it's going to be in that area where that object sits. So, potentially, it makes it dangerous. You have a point there. That is absolutely 100% possible. Yeah, um, it's... Whether it actually pertains to the story of the entity, though, I don't know. Um, I don't think she was really involved in any sort of black magic or anything like that. Okay. Um, it may have had something to do with a Ouija board. I don't fully remember. It's been so long. Like I'm, I'm trying to refer to the 1982 version of the movie, and it's been, <laughs> it's yeah. been forever. Like, like the new version you were talking about. I didn't even know that existed. So I have to, I'm gonna have to find that and see if I can refresh my memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you made a really good point, Andy. Um, jump into it. Let, let's just say here, without doing the research and having the solid answer. Uh, the entity was based off an incident with a Ouija board. Again, just so we're not giving the Ouija board a bad rap, the board does not start off evil. It does not start off haunted. It is the intention of the user of what the board is done with. You can have it hanging on a wall. You can have it in your house. It's fine. But if you start using that object, in my opinion, like any object, to contact the spirit world and you use that energy and that intention to contact a spiritual being, that is when that object, and we're talking about a Ouija board right now, can potentially become a haunted and attached object. Is that kind of correct there, Andy? Do you believe in that theory? Actually, that is, that is 100% correct. Okay. It, it all has to do with your intention, um, the energy that you pursue, the, uh, the uh, communication with. Um, you know, it all, it all depends on exactly what it is you're looking for at the time of communication um and if you go into it with bad intention then obviously you're going to get bad results yeah, yeah so absolutely and sometimes i feel like if you go in there with an uneducated unprotected mindset it's kind of like i i, I forgive me forgive me i keep using this reference every time but it's kind of like opening up the doors to a Walmart and the public can come in. Anybody can come in. You don't know who they are. You don't know what they've done. You don't know their intentions. But Walmart is a public place. Everyone's welcome to come buy food and medicine and stuff. And that's kind of what I feel like a Ouija board can do if you don't know what you're doing when contacting the spiritual world. It's, it's actually more like when you first walk into that Walmart in the summertime. And you open up that door and right away you feel this whoosh of air from the uh, 
the air conditioner. Yeah. When that air hits you, because as soon as you open that door and you open up that portal, you're not only, you know, walking in, but you're also letting things out. And you have to remember that. Yeah. You have to keep that in, in your mind at all times. Because, you know, if you're able to walk in, then things are able to walk out as well. That is a and very good point. To, you have to protect yourself from that. So, Andy, moving forward with haunted objects, let's say that you come across one. What would be... Let's just water everything down. That's typically what we like to do with our podcast, is water things down for everyone. That Even if you're, you know, a veteran in the paranormal world, it's always nice to kind of have that everyday comparison. If you were to come across a location, you know, that has a haunted object, or you have a haunted object given to you, what would be the first signs of indication that you have a haunted object? What would you look for? Well, first of all, let me make it clear that if I was ever in a location with a haunted object, you wouldn't catch me anywhere near that. Homie, <laughs> <laughs> don't play that, okay? You'd be going the other way, but, huh, Andy? <laughs> absolutely. But, uh... Yeah, because if you got a spirit lingering around because they're attached to an object, you don't want to make them mad. It's like, okay, they obviously want to keep that, or there's something special, so... Yeah. <laughs> One of the biggest signs to look to look for is movement okay um especially in dolls like if if a doll is is moving from time to time like let's say you don't necessarily see the movement but you notice it and you know that no one's been around to actually move that doll then chances are you've got a haunted object on your hands um now and also, let me let me point this out as well because a haunted object could also fall under many many categories as well. Like uh, like a haunted object um, could be haunted by a spirit who is attached to the object. Okay. It can also be attached, or it can also be haunted by a spirit who is not attached to the object. So. Gotcha. Um, you have to really know which is which in order to know how to, you know, remove this spirit from the object itself. Because the uh, the, uh, the spirit could just be using the object as like a medium to, you know, communicate, but also could be attached to the object itself. But okay. then again, maybe not. And you have to be able to know the difference. But yeah, I mean, one of the one of the main things to look for is movement. So if something is mysteriously being found in like different locations of the house, and let's say you live alone, and you know you didn't do it, then who did? Yeah. Now that's that's one of the main one of the main things to look for. Um, and also, I mean, haunted objects can also create, um, such things as like, you know, many other different types of hauntings as well. You know, they can, ha they can cause like sounds around your house. Um, they can cause opening doors, um, 
open opening windows you know general things like that whatever whatever you would experience in a normal haunted house a haunted object can do as well a good um, way to test the door theory too would be to actually try to lock those or jar the door right andy right because if the doors keep opening and you have it locked or latched or you know something heavy in front of the door okay clearly it's more than just a squeaky creaky loose door <laughs> right like one of the best ways to tell is you know if you put a big heavy object in front of a door to you know keep it open and then suddenly you find that big heavy object moved and the door is closed chances are something moved to that object yeah you know i mean i would i would take that as a very strong indicator oh absolutely yeah and like i tell a lot of people you know that may talk to me on the the day and day it's like sure you know i feel like i have a spirit in my house or a ghost or you know something weird and you know trickster like what should i do and i tell them you several different things that they can do you know i mean first off the the something simple anyone could do is go out buy some flowers real life flowers if you feel like you have a malevolent entity or something very evil in energy you know um, put these flowers in the area that you think essentially has this energy and if your flowers die within that day or within the next day or in a unnatural amount of time, essentially, in my personal opinion, you have something very powerful and something not so good. I mean, that's not going to happen every time. There's malevolent entities out there that you can have flowers all over the place and they're not going to touch them because I would give a sign that, you know, they're there. But, um, you know, that that's just one simple way. And then another thing, Andy, that I like to tell people if uh, they have a spirit, any kind, of, any kind of spirit, and they feel like it can manifest itself to some physical degree, you can put down, you know, a powder or flour or, again, to your, you know, your suggestions about putting large objects in front of doors that move or cabinets or if you have plates that tend to go from the kitchen to the front room, put those plates somewhere with a heavy book on top. You know, and my best piece of advice is wherever you're doing these little experiments at, set up a camera. Even if you're just going to record for like an hour or, you know, a certain amount of time when you go to bed. I mean, take the time to look through this or have someone that, you know, will look through it for you. And you're hopefully you're going to get an answer. You know, I mean, then again, you may not, but it's a step in the right direction. Absolutely. And in fact, another good way you can actually test is uh, with, a, with a humidifier. Really? I have not heard that before, Andy. Please elaborate on that yeah. one. <laughs> well, okay, so as we know, ghosts tend to um, use electromagnetic energy to um, manipulate things. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times, like, let's say you've got a spirit in your house, okay, a lot of times they'll come into your room, they'll keep you up at night, and, you know, they'll throw things or move things or whatever. So what you want to do, you know, in order to be able to sleep at night, is you take a humidifier and you fire that puppy up in the room. And you make sure that you have it set in the corner of the room, but have it so that it's pointed towards the center of the room so that when it shoots the mist into the air, it's going to cover the entire area. 
and if if the activity stops when that humidifier is going then chances are you've got a spirit on your hands because what that's doing is it's taking the uh, positive ions out of the air and without those positive ions you cannot have electromagnetic energy and without that electromagnetic energy spirits can't do anything wow andy i never even thought about that that is really impressive Uh, that's something to actually try ourselves to be honest with you that's actually um i've been telling my clients about that for years because you? you know yeah because i you know i get this question all the time you know like hey i've got you know this spirit who likes to mess with my tv in the middle of the night or likes to flip on the radio or likes to throw books around or what have you likes to tear off the covers on my bed while i'm trying to sleep yeah you know things like that and i said well have you tried a humidifier and they'll say no what does that do so i'll explain it to them you know and and they'll you know they'll they'll look at me and they'll go oh yeah that's actually a very smart idea so they'll give it a try and sure enough it always works nice that's really cool man yeah and if it doesn't then sorry you've got something else on your hands and if that's the case you know contact me again and we'll come up with a plan b well, and yeah. you saying that kind of gives me a quick epiphany. Um, it's like some of these these suggestions that you're giving it, and along with myself, if if there's an entity that doesn't interact with these uh, experiments, if you will, or the devices that we're suggesting, my personal opinion, and please put in yours too, is that these entities are extremely intelligent, and they know what you're doing. They can hear you. They can watch you, and clearly, they're not going to fall for the games. And if that is the type of entity that you have, what would you suggest to move forward well, with trying to figure that out? A lot of the experiments I come up with, like for instance, you know, the whole the whole thing I just mentioned, they wouldn't have a choice because you're taking away their energy. So they would have to comply. They don't have a choice. Gotcha. But um, you know, with with things like that yeah you do have to be a little more crafty when it comes to intelligent hauntings because like you said they do they do know what you're doing they're well aware of like your every movement and things like that they're always watching you and things like that so you know it's you know it's it's just a matter of observing them and like going through their emotions and you know paying attention to what they're doing and then you know taking that and using that to um to basically observe and take report on that um now in terms of getting rid of spirits that's not usually my area so i usually do not i don't deal in that um a lot of times if that's what the client wants i will refer them to someone else but yeah i mean that's what i would do if i have an intelligent haunting then i would just simply i would i would observe yeah you know if they're not falling for anything that i'm doing 
then yeah, I would just observe and uh, try to learn their tricks. You know, and uh, along with that too, Andy, you know, trying to watch patterns and look for different little significations about this specific type of entity. Um, I feel, and, and this goes with uh, actually something Nate just purchased in the past couple of weeks this year, 2020. Um, the SLS system, it's like a motion sensor piece of equipment where it does a live feed. It can take still photography and video, record all that good stuff. But it does a motion sensor of everything in front of the camera. And even if you got a little trickster spirit or whatever this thing may or may not be, I feel like that type of energy, that well, that type of device, would be something that would be difficult for it to get away from. You know, whether it knows what it can do or not, but if it goes right in front of that, coming towards you, going around you, even if it's a quick one-second glimpse, you're going to see that there is something moving around you in that room, in that location. And, exactly. And equipment like that, live motion detection, I feel that would be the best bet to try to capture and prove that there is something around you, even if this thing is avoiding everything else that you're putting out. Right. There is a lot of factors that go into that, though, such as, like, shutter speed and things like that. True, true. But, um... Yeah, like I mean, for I mean, in terms of this SLS system, like like we were like we were talking earlier, you know, that goes along with like the uh, Xbox Connect and things like that. Yeah, that's right. And uh, that would not work for someone like me, because to be honest, I've actually tried it. I have an Xbox, and I had the Connect for a while, and because of my wheelchair. It would not read me. Gotcha. Wow. Um, for some reason, you have to have full mobility throughout your body in order for it to read you. So I had to, like, it was telling me to, like, move my legs. And I was looking at it like, ah, uh, not going to happen, Captain. Sorry. Like, really? That's not funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Wow. Yeah. But no, that's but, a good uh, point, Andy. I, I did not know that it was needing full detection like that. Now that's ta now that that is regarding a human. Do you think that the same concept would go for a spirit? Like whether it's a spirit that's only half manifested or does it have to be completely manifested? What's your opinion on that? That's actually a good question, and I don't fully know how to answer that. Yeah. But I have noticed, um, you know, with watching other people who use that system. Um, I have noticed that most of the spirits that come through it are full-bodied when they show up. So I don't know if it would actually work on, like, say, a half-figure or not. That's actually a very, very good question. We're going to have to test that out. And that would be something that we'd have to test out. And, you know, luckily... You know with nate purchasing that we can do just that and, and for our team this is a new device a new system that we're getting our hands on ourselves clearly you know we've had the opportunity to work with other teams and get out in the field but this is our own device that we're going to actually be able to prepare and 
take out into the field and get hands-on with, actually do practice after practice after practice. And the more locations we do with it, we can actually make like a little log down and record what we're getting. Are we getting full body apparitions? Are we getting only half apparitions? Are we getting nothing at all, even though our EMF spikes are going crazy and there's no um, logical, natural energy going through like a power box but you know it's it's going to be an interesting move in the right direction and along with that emf detection i feel that would be a really good test to put in the field of haunted objects andy because if you have an object that has an attachment to it let's say a vase or a book absolutely no electronic device in it around it attached to it and your emf detector goes off that should be the strongest indication that you got something different going on, right? Well, with that, with the SLS system, you would actually be able to see the entity that is, you know, moving the object and how they're doing it. You know, like you'd be able to see the spirit like reaching over and grabbing the object and moving it. Yeah. Which I think would be kind of funny to watch on screen, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, imagine seeing this figure reach over every once in a while and just go, whoo you know? <laughs> Especially live feed. I mean, I don't know if it'd be as funny to me as it is to you, Andy, but I, I'd be like, oh my God, there, there's something moving in front of us right now. We can't see it, but it's literally right here in front of the screen. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to me, it would be just, it would be kind of funny just to, you know, I mean, it would to me it would it would appear that you know a spirit would be playing with dolls or whatever and i i don't know that's just kind of funny to me i've got a weird sense of humor that's all anyway. right hey if, if you laugh that that hopefully will make me comfortable and the rest of the team comfortable to laugh you know so we won't be as scared out of our wits right, <laughs> right. i mean dolls don't really bother me um mannequins on the other hand I don't know if I can do mannequins. <laughs> oh man, full body dolls, basically. <laughs> yeah, like full, full sized, like human sized. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, that, that'd be a little creepy. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like little dolls, yeah, I can handle that. I'm, I'm used to dolls, you know. I grew up with sisters, so. <laughs> man. Oh, I'm cool with dolls, but mannequins—that's a whole other story. <laughs> so, Andy, speaking about dolls and haunted objects, what, in your opinion, I, I know you said you're not too big on taking it to the level of cleansing or helping a spirit move on or ridding of the entity, but what would be your first stepping stone in the right direction to remove a haunted object? or to to cleanse it or to calm the energy well one of the main things i would do first off would be to sage okay um either sage or palo santo now for those of you who don't know palo santo is a type of wood that comes from south america and uh it's basically it works the same way as sage you just burn it and you wave it around and the uh, the smoke from it cleanses the area. What's now, the difference between those you, two, Andy? Is there different healing properties or? No, they're pretty much the same. Um, but I believe 
I believe Palo Santo is a bit stronger. Okay. Um, now, a, a very important thing to know, though, is when you're when you're saging or cleansing an area, you want to at least have some windows open in the area, because what that does is it allows the uh, the bad spirits, the uh, the bad energy that you're trying to cleanse away, it allows it to escape. So you want to make sure that the windows are open as you're doing this, or maybe even leave the doors open. Um, now, Andy, I've heard this theory before, but I've also been told in red that you don't have to have windows and doors open. Now, is that in a situation that you're just cleansing and, um, you know, rebooting, restrengthening the energy in the house? And you only have to open the windows and doors when you're ridding of negative energy, or how does that correlate with each other um well actually i've never heard anyone say that you don't have to have the windows open i've okay. always heard i've always heard to have the windows or doors open just to be because, fair i i've heard that more than not yeah because it'll it allows for the negative energy to escape yeah but um I would recommend doing it with the doors and windows open. And not just to let the negative energy out. I mean, that's number one. But to actually get the smoke out. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You don't want to You don't want to end up cleansing yourself out of the area as well. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be terrible. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so what other methods would you go on with, Andy? Uh, do you have any other significant methods that you would practice? Um, no, that's actually the only one I would suggest. Okay. Um, you know, for doing yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, as, as far as everything else goes, I leave that up to other professionals. You know, and along with Sage, um, obviously you can kind of throw in, from my personal experience, you can throw in holy water, uh, holy anointing oil, um, you know, positive vibes from prayer uh, even crystals and stones you know that um, is true rubbing them having them on your person and Andy I know you're you're pretty big into crystals you've helped the team learn a lot more than what we knew originally because we we've had a couple of people uh, follow the team and even join the team that was in the stones and crystals but you've helped us a lot in the past several months learn a lot more in different kinds of crystals so are, are there any significant ones that would stand out? Well, there are all kinds of crystals that are actually very good for absorbing negative energies and, you know, carrying them away. Now, another thing is also you have to cleanse crystals as well. There are some where you don't have to because they naturally cleanse themselves. But there are quite a few where you do. So you want to sage or use Palo Santo on those as well if you go the crystal route. But um, a lot of the ones that I like to use are things like clear quartz. Clear quartz is a very natural stone that cleanses it, it cleanses itself, and it takes it takes all the negative energies around you and absorbs it. And, and then it releases it and um, 
it turns it into good energy. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of other crystals that are good for that too. There's uh, there's amethyst, black obsidian. I've heard of black obsidian being actually a really good and one of the more powerful materials yeah. to use. Right, and there's black onyx. Black onyx is very powerful for for getting rid of negative energies. That's a very powerful one. Okay. So Andy, you kind of have me questioning something here. What if you take one of these materials and you place it on top, inside, or you get several of them and place it around a haunted object? Do you think that could potentially cleanse this object or do you think it'd make matters worse or possibly nothing at all? Well, it depends on which materials you use. You know, I mean, it, it all depends. Like when it comes to crystals, there are certain ones. Um, now, in terms of uh, Palo Santo and Sage, those are very widely used. You know, crystals are not really used by everyone, but Sage, Sage is pretty well known as being, you know, part of the, the paranormal. Like a purifier, if you will. Yes, it's very okay. widely used in the paranormal field. And so, yeah, I mean, it all depends on the material that you're using. Now, there are times when it doesn't work as well. So, I mean, you know, it all depends on, first of all, the material you're using, and second, you know, what you're using it for. You know, I mean, I'm I'm just now starting to learn about all this stuff myself because, like, when it comes to all of this this stuff that we're talking about right now, like the Palo Santo, the sage, the crystals, and all that, I just started learning about that. Um, you know, I mean, I've been investigating for 30 years, and I I never used that stuff. You know, it's just not something that I ever thought about, and. Uh, now I'm starting to get into it. I'm starting to learn about it and use it a lot more. Wonderful, so, Andy. Yeah. So, I mean, as I learn, you know, I will keep everybody else on the team informed of it as well. And, as, and you know, even our listeners and things like that who are curious about it as well. You know, we'll keep them informed on it as well. Because it is a very important thing to know, especially if you're dealing with Oh, absolutely. You yeah. know, it, it goes along with being able to protect yourself, which is an extremely important thing in the field. Because there's a lot of people who just jump into it and they think, oh, you know, there's nothing to this and, it, you know, we're, we're going to be all right, whatever. But that's not always going to be the case. You know, I mean, eventually you're going to run into something that's going to want to do some serious damage. Oh, yeah. I mean, not every not everything is Casper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> no, it is not, Andy. No, and, no. It's, and it's not always just an empty, dark shell of a abandoned location. <laughs> exactly. Not, not always. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, whatever you do, when you go out there, you want to make sure that not only you, but the people you're with, if you're with anybody, is safe. And speaking of which, never, 
ever do this alone. Oh yeah, absolutely never, not. Never go into a location alone. Because if you ever run into any trouble and you're alone, you're not going to get any help. No, you're not. No, not uh, not in the spiritual world or the physical world. You know, you exactly. really you want to be careful and have some backup. The buddy system is extremely important. Yes, sir, it is. No, it's 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 not a joke. It's uh, nothing to take lightly when it comes to investigating paranormal investigating alone, especially abandoned locations or or even you know protected establishments or residentials. And I know some people do it. You know, to each their own. We're not looking down upon you, but kudos to you being brave for one and also being strong. And and for those people that do it, you know, I I do hope that they're very well protected physically and spiritually because it's. It's one thing to be able to protect yourself physically, but it's another when it comes to spiritual attacks, you know, like oppression or even full-on possession, because sometimes you just don't know what's there. And Andy, you're making a great point, because it's it's another world, literally. I mean, even if that location is just a simple cemetery, you still, you don't know what type of entities you're going to run into. You just don't know. Mm-mm. Not one bit. You know? And I mean, if you're just if if you're somebody who isn't used to it, and you're just going out there and you're doing this as like an adventure, that's the wrong way to go about it. I'm telling you, because you know you don't want to just go out there and do this for fun. That's not what it's about. You know, I mean, it's not it's not just to have a good time. You know, if you wanna if you wanna go out there and investigate. Make sure you're doing it with a purpose. Make sure you're doing it with friends. Make sure you're being safe about it. Because, you know, these spirits that you're tracking down, they're going to know. Absolutely. They're going to know why you're there. And if they, if they see that, you know, you're taking it as a joke or whatever, there's a lot of spirits out there that are going to take offense. You know, you don't want to offend anything because just like people you know if you offend a person what are they going to do their first instinct is to get angry you know so you you really got to be careful and you do have to protect yourself it's number one priority in any of this the number one thing you've got to make sure that you do not only during the investigation but before it as well you want to check the location you want to make sure there's nothing around in the location so that when you go back and you're going through it in the dark there's nothing around that you're going to get hurt on or you know you're not going to like fall through the floor or, you know anything like that because you know that's a possibility as well there are lots and lots of dangers in both the physical realm and the spiritual realm that are involved in your paranormal investigation so you know, you just really want to make sure that you're well, well protected. You know, and speaking from experience too, and I know you can as well, Andy, paranormal investigating and the paranormal world in general is an absolute blast, super fun, but safety is absolutely number one. And, you know, jumping into the whole safety thing, um, it actually correlates with our our second piece of uh, topic here. (laughs) Libraries, for one. whether you're going to an abandoned library, a library that's still open and established, there are still safety 
regulations that you want to follow, whether they're personal or it's the, the owners of the property themselves. You know, like Andy was saying, you want to be safe spiritually and physically. And uh, even though it's a library, some people may laugh, joke with that. Um, libraries can be pretty spooky, especially at night when you're the only people in a library. It's It can still be dangerous spiritually if there's something there that may have been there for a long time. I mean, it wasn't a library, but um, it's, it's, it's a whole other game as well. And Andy, what do you think about haunted libraries? And, and the reason why I kind of mix this in a little bit is because I did think about haunted objects and I thought about books. And I know essentially, let's say there is a haunted book or a whole row or aisle of haunted books in a library. That enough is how you make a haunted library. Well, there are a lot of things that go into creating a haunted location, whether it be a library or pretty much anywhere else. Um, but in my experience, with libraries, you know, it could be like a patron who, you know, just loved visiting the library as I did as a kid. I was, geez, I was constantly at the library. But yeah, I mean, there are lots of people who just love to visit the library. There's a lot of people who are introverted and they just, they feel at home there because they can just sit and be quiet and read. You know, and then there are those who, you know, worked at the library. You know, there could be a librarian who loved her job so much and loved helping people that she just stuck around in death. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are just a lot of things that go into it. I mean, it's, I could go on all night. Yeah, no, that's fine. You know, you we have twenty thousand hours. It's fine. That's what podcasts are for. Well, but I don't have hours. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, how about you? <laughs> not yet, but maybe one day, Andy. It'll be great. <laughs> I'm not even sure if I have twenty thousand hours left of my life. Oh my god! <laughs> don't say that, Andy. We, we don't need you keeping us in business. All right. That, that, that's not how this is supposed to work. <laughs> oh, all right. But with that being said, though. Um, so essentially we can have haunted objects like haunted books or, you know, maybe an old bookshelf if they build a library out of old parts, whatever, or we could have emotional attachment, like real human emotion that is keeping them stuck there at that location. Right. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense a lot to me because Nate has talked several times on this topic about the library that we did investigate in which he used to work at. And, there was that type of attachment. You had employees, you had people that would come in that felt like it was home, it was a refuge of sorts. So, I mean, there is a lot of different attachment from human emotion, and I, I can see that of why their spirit, their energy would want to remain there. In terms of what you said about, you know, like building resources that were used to build the library that could have caused it to be haunted, there's a lot of that that's going to go into next week's show, which, by the way, folks, next week's show is going to be a very good one. You guys don't want to miss it. I, I'm telling you what. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of next week's show that talks that's going to talk about that. But yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, 
you know, the, it could be that the original library burnt down or whatever, and they took salvaged parts to rebuild or, you know, whatever, what have you. But that's a very good point. And that, yeah, that is very, very possible. Um, because, I mean, a haunted object doesn't necessarily have to be a mobile object either. Yeah. You know, it could be something as simple as a piece of wood um, that was used to rebuild or whatever. I mean, it could be a nail. It could be a window. It could be anything. I mean, if it's got, if it's got the the ability to absorb that energy, it can be used. You know, with you saying what you did about the the location being reconstructed, you know, I mean, for the most part, myself and people I've talked to, that's not a common conversation when it comes to the paranormal. You don't think about a building being haunted because of like one wooden panel or one window or one doorknob I mean you just don't really think that detailed it, it's it's got to be something else you know it's got to be the the land somebody was killed there or a village was pillaged um, old buildings that could have been there you know before the library was built or before this home was built you got possible demonic rituals you th there's different things that are more highlighted I guess stereotypical things that's been placed out in media that you would imagine but you're very right Andy it could be as simple as one piece of infrastructure even that makes an entire location haunted depending on what energy has been attached to it with that emotion if you will and you're absolutely right that is one thing that a lot of teams do tend to miss because I mean despite the fact that it's not something that's commonly thought about yeah it is however something that is very commonly a factor so it should be something that's thought about yeah you know because it's more common than you think more commonplace than yeah what has been said to be or it's just not even thought of <laughs> right yeah yeah it's it's really interesting to break it down like that andy because you know, thinking back to all the people I've spoken to, all the locations I've been to, it could have been as simple as a rebuilt structure. You know, it, it wasn't a murder, it, it wasn't an object, it wasn't a significant date of time in history that happened. It was, well, something happened in this state, and there's a junker that was selling scrap metal or scrap wood, and this guy was building a new house, he wanted to buy something, some of his materials for cheap. And so he did from this guy, he brought it to this state, this location, he built the house, and then his house is haunted. So now he thinks it's the land, but it was actually the used wood and materials he used. I mean, that's, that's to me, that's mind-blowing that it, it could be that deep. But, man. So, Andy, going back to the library subject, when you think library being haunted, a library being haunted, Minus the Ghostbusters scene <laughs> with the librarian, the books flying, and, you know, Slimer going everywhere, and all that fun, good, stereotypical stuff. What do you think about a haunted library being like? What would you expect? Well, with me, knowing my experience with it, I would expect 
misplaced books on occasion. Um, maybe computers turning on and off on their own. You know, files on the computer mysteriously popping up. Um, and depending on how old the library is, uh, cards flying out of the card catalogs. They don't yeah. even use those anymore, do they? Not often. I have recently purchased some books from eBay because I've been getting into this book binge of collecting classics and whatnot. And some of these books are actually uh, old library books that have been sold off or, you know, replaced. And they still have their card holders in them. No cards, but the card holders are there. Man, that brings back some memories. We're getting up there, yeah. Andy. <laughs> Absolutely. And of course, nowadays, though, I don't go to the library as much as I used to. But back in the day, man, I used to live at the library, especially, you know, looking up paranormal things and things like that. I mean, I've been doing this since I was a kid. Oh, yeah. It was a go to hobby back in the day, man. It's where you yeah. would go to find out about the paranormal. Exactly. Like, I've, I've been studying the paranormal since I was very young. So, you know, the library was like my home away from home. And so I would go to the library and just, and I would come home and I would tell my parents as we were watching these movies, you know, and I, I would be telling my family all the time, you know, that's not actually how that would happen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I learned quite a bit. And now you're in this paranormal world of everything <laughs> like everything around yeah. you like it, it it's in the movies it's in the television shows it's on the internet it's it's everywhere you know so yeah i mean it's wild you know, how much it blew up yeah absolutely i mean the the paranormal community is just really really grown in the past few decades you know along with paranormal communities i've kind of notice i've picked up on that libraries are actually very welcoming of paranormal groups at, at least in my local area of indianapolis there's several libraries small branches and even you know city sized branches that are pretty open to the paranormal communities coming in having events having small group studies even doing you know public talks it, it's really nice that they allow that type of expansion you know, to Absolutely. speak to the, the community and, and get people kind of brushed up on it. So that's nice. No, I, I feel that the reason for that is because of the fact that it is a learning experience. Yeah. You know, I think libraries are just, they're very open and welcoming to things that people can learn from. Yeah. And if they're, you know, if they are experiencing these, uh, these paranormal experiences within that library then absolutely they're going to want to you know have people learn about these experiences and what they're about though so i can see why you know i mean i would be i totally agree with that andy you know and and going back to the haunted objects in libraries real quick something i wanted to brush up on before i forgot is when you think about it, some of these books that are circulating through the libraries, especially if you have a library that has an archival section or they, uh, they, they don't throw away their books or they recycle books and 
These are like books have been circulated since the 1920s, 30s, even 1800s. You know, they're original editions. Just imagine not only if it's a haunted object, but all the history and all the people that have touched that book. You know, all the different decades and fashions that that one object has gone through. It's it's fascinating. Not only could there be spiritual energy attached to it, but all the history that that book has gone through, if you will. Not to mention that even though those books are so ancient, a lot of them are actually still relevant. Oh, yes. I mean, take like the Edgar Casey books, for instance. You know, a lot of what he wrote in the past and what he went through is still relevant to today. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. With with any type of old object i mean every time you every time you touch something in life you're leaving behind an imprint yes, you're you leaving are. behind you're leaving behind that energy that essence of you and so you know it yeah i mean it's it's very possible and that's a valuable piece of information andy that i'm going to take with me for the rest of my life is like you get these objects and you know when you can correlate them and compare them and especially insert them in today's society or into your own personal life and these things have been produced and used hundreds if not thousands of years ago that just says a lot about not only the human race but the power and the energy of knowledge and how that can carry on for generations it's really truly intriguing you know how the existence of life can be it also to me puts more validation into the paranormal field itself because i mean think of how many centuries people have been going through and experiencing this stuff to me that is validation within itself you know i mean screw the scientific proof you know, people have been experiencing it for so many hundreds of years. You know, that goes to show that this stuff is real. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, and that is a great point, Andy, because even though all the change and the advances in technology, it's like there are still some things that will not change. And that being such as spirituality and the human knowledge and psyche of how you learn and history seems to sadly always repeat itself. And it just goes to show, you know, even though we're this great ball of energy, there are some things that can't be changed and maybe they're not meant to be changed. But that's for us to learn more about and delve into. And I think the paranormal is that gateway, that big book of knowledge, if you will, that we do want to cautiously open up and learn a little bit about. Well, that's another thing that people think, that people, you know, always think too, that things that have happened cannot be changed. But, you know, in terms of everything that we do in life, we're constantly changing things. Absolutely, Andy. Everything is constantly changing with every movement that we make. You know, I mean, just just the simple movement of taking a book off of a shelf and placing it on a table 
that is a historic change within itself. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So is. Everything is constantly changing. So yeah, I mean, even if something has happened in the past, of course you can change it. I mean, you know, it's just a matter of how. And with that energy comes change all the time. You know, Andy, with you saying that, the whole energy part, I think the best piece of evidence that anyone in this world can experience to prove that energy is real is that moment in time when you get static shocked just by touching a door. It's like, why would that happen? I touched doors before and, and I don't get shocked. It should be like that all day, every day throughout the rest of my life. But there are moments when there's enough energy, quote unquote, main point, main key word here, energy, going on between you and that door or whatever object you're about to touch, shock happens. Even when you touch another person, another flesh and blood and bone human being that's not metal, that's not aluminum or anything, you touch each other and you get shocked. Exactly. I mean, it's all about circumstance. Yes, sir, it is, Andy. So, Andy, do you have anything else that you would like to throw out for the rest of us, the audience, myself, that you'd like to cover for today's podcast? Nothing that I can think of offhand that we haven't already covered. I mean, my main thing today was just to make sure that people knew about the safety issues that are part of the paranormal because you know i mean when it comes to the paranormal that is the number one most important thing you can learn this is why i tell people that when you first start out in the paranormal don't just jump into doing investigations what i would do is you go to the library you pick up as many books as you can and you just read and you study you know, I mean, the first two years of my career were spent in the library. I didn't even do investigations for those two years. All I did was study because I wanted to know what I was getting myself into. I mean, that's that's one of the most important things you can do to keep yourself safe is to just know what you're doing and know how to go about it and know what you're dealing with before you deal with it. Because if you just jump into it, you don't know what you're doing you're in for a rude awakening at times oh yeah i mean it may not it may not always happen but it will happen yeah i know i learned that the hard way personally andy you know and, and i do agree with you for people that are starting out on investigations and a paranormal team or anything paranormal take your time you know uh watch videos talk to people listen to podcasts read books all that good stuff reach out to people like myself and Andy you know and if you really really can't wait a couple of years to go on a paranormal investigation and you just want to jump into it we highly recommend you reach out to a paranormal team before making your own or collaborating with another team if you're gonna start your own team and get people with experience to get that guidance to get that security and then to really know what to do instead of just going out there like I did and just being like, okay, I watched a TV show, you know, a couple times. I binge-watched, like, 20 episodes. I know what I'm doing. When, in actuality, I ended up having a negative negative entity come after me. And it taunted me. It, it messed with me for a little over a month. And that was enough for me to learn the hard way on protection and cleansing and being completely and utterly careful. 
Exactly. I mean, and even before you, even before you contact the team to learn, you know, just just make sure that you go to the library, read some books. You know, books are actually one of the best sources that you can get information from. You know, don't worry about all these what all these TV shows are doing because mm -hmm. a lot of these TV shows may not even be telling you the truth. Yeah. You know, so what I would do is I would go to books, articles, um, word of mouth, you know, talk to people who've been in the field. But what I would do is I would get the information first, get as much information as humanly possible, and then start breaking into, okay, I want to learn how to do this. Because, I mean, even though you start off with that strong urge to get out there and do it, you want to fight that urge. Mm-hmm. You want to fight that urge because you can't just, this is not something you can just jump into. This takes years and years of study. It really does. Yes, it does, Andy. And you know, Andy, with there being not really necessarily a, a large amount of schools that offer paranormal training, if you will, paranormal 101. I have read up that there are some schools that kind of delve into like spirituality and paranormal um, investigating and whatnot, but I guess you can't really, I hate saying this, but you can't really officially call paranormal investigating a quote unquote legal or real profession, at least not yet. So when it comes to people being schooled or learning this type of stuff, what I suggest and what I try to reach out to people to be a very important factor is listen to podcasts like ours or other fellow podcasts like Jim Harold's Campfire or even Ron's Amazing Stories. You know, they have a lot of good content, a lot of real experiences that you can listen to and kind of write some notes down and go from there. And then Andy's number one rule, read books. Go out there, get get paranormal books about possession, about demonology, about angelic encounters, about healing and cleansing methods. I mean, read up on that stuff. And once you make all this, you know, all these different connections, you make your notes, that's when you need to reach out to the paranormal community or even reach out to them beforehand and they can help guide you as well. And you can ask people questions, you can compare notes, you can compare methods and techniques. And the more you communicate with these people that are just as serious and that take everything to a safe measure such as yourself, you're going to find yourself on that right path. So you exactly. will be in a safe environment and you'll make the right decisions. Because, Andy, let me say, man, the world that we live in physically is a quite dangerous place. But when it comes to spiritual dangers, that is a whole other type of ball game, man, that is just more difficult to avoid and get yourself healed up from. <laughs> right. And like I said, though, I mean, most of the time, you're not only dealing with spiritual dangers, but you're dealing with real world dangers as well simultaneously. Oh, yeah. So you have to really know the locations that you are investigating. You know, when you go to a when you go to investigate a location, number one, you want to make sure that you know the area so that one, you don't get lost two you don't get hurt and then what you want to do is you want to make sure that you're well aware of uh, activity that have been going on there so that you know what to expect 
but don't also don't take that at face value either because that can change especially if you're dealing with an intelligent haunting because an intelligent haunting will change up the activity just mess with that and like you said with physical ailments too and dangers on that andy you gotta not only watch out for people or decrepit buildings but you've got you got things like bat guano. Like, that might be something to laugh at, but bat poop, that can make you very sick. Any type of animal feces that's been lingering around the vapors can cause you to get sick. You got black mold, you've got lead, you've got all this different stuff, you know, and you just, you want to be careful. Asbestos, that's a another high up ranked danger. You, you want to be aware of your surroundings and the location, like Andy was saying. So even before, you may not be able to find these in any books. Some locations you go to may be forgotten, abandoned, or if there was any documentation, they're long gone. But what you'll want to do is go to these locations, make sure you have all the equipment that you can, safety hazards, you know, whether it's a jumpsuit or you have a first aid kit, a respirator, your charcoal filters, and do your research on the area, check it out during the day, and, and try to get a feel of what you're going to have to deal with on the physical aspect, and then obviously prepare for the spiritual side too, because it can be challenging, to say the least. And this equipment too, you may not need these for every location. You may not need them at all, depending on what type of category of location you choose to do, but the biggest point Andy and I are trying to get across is it's not hurt to have this type of equipment and a lot of it's not all that expensive. Some might be depending on brands and you know what they can do and all that good stuff but for the most part it, it, they are not expensive. We have a lot of this our paranormal team here in Indy and uh, it's good to have on hand. It, it never hurts to be too prepared so that's the main point we're trying to get across. You don't have to look like a Ghostbuster every time. But, hey, I mean, if you're happy with it, I mean, that's good too, right, Andy? <laughs> right. And good luck finding a Proton pack on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sadly, we haven't got to that technology yet. But, I mean, in due yeah. time, fingers crossed, Andy. <laughs> well, well, Andy, I think we have pretty much wrapped on for a good amount of time. Hopefully we didn't lose too many people in the audience. Hopefully we covered a lot of good topics and corners. What do you think? Well, yeah, I, I hope we didn't lose anybody with my ramp or, you know, anything like that. But uh, but I just want to say one more thing, though. Go ahead. Because in terms of, like, inexpensive things that you were talking about, there are a lot of people who come to me and they'll ask me, like, well, I want to get my, I want to get ghost equipment, but it's too expensive. What do you recommend? You know, and I'd say, well, first off, I'd recommend strength. I'd recommend cotton balls. I'd recommend baby powder or flour. I'd recommend wind chimes, you know, because I mean, all that stuff can be used. I mean, you can use things as simple as pens and pencils or even a jump rope or a ball. It doesn't have to be anything super, super expensive to be seen as paranormal equipment. You can use normal, everyday household stuff. You can wad up a ball of paper and use that as a tool. From what you've told us, too, in the past couple months, Andy, there's a lot of techniques that people either don't use anymore or they've never thought to use. And it actually works really well in the paranormal world and the whole field of investigating. Right. 
But yeah, Andy, you make a good point on that. For people that are starting out, even I mean, I'm sure a lot of people, if not everyone, in this modern day world that's into the paranormal, they have a phone, you know. And with the things and the the techniques that Andy has suggested to use that are inexpensive, there's your gear, there's your equipment, and then your main piece to try to build all this evidence and save it to compile into one thing is going to be your phone. There's your still photography, your videos. And then everything that you have before you to do different experiments, that's what you use to lure them. That's what you can use as bait to try to bring them into this interactive realm and then use your phone to try to record it. And then there you go. And then you can go from there. And as you save money or you progress with other people, you can learn to practice with different equipment because a lot of the more scientific and advanced devices, they're not cheap. Just be straight honest with you. It, it, it is unfortunate, but... You know, that's just the way it is right now. But there are other methods you can take. Yeah, it, it just, it, it doesn't have to be the most expensive thing in the world for you to go out there and investigate. So, you know, don't worry about buying all this equipment because you don't, you basically don't need it. It's helpful, but you don't need it. No, no, you do not. So, Andy, with next week's podcast coming up, how excited would you rate yourself on 1 to 10? On a scale of 1 to 10, I'd say uh, about 105. That's pretty... Wow. <laughs> that's that's pretty damn high, I have to say. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Next week is going to be great. Yeah, Andy, I have to say I, I'm looking forward... The entire team is looking forward to our next episode on the podcast. And... Hopefully everyone has enjoyed this podcast and hopefully it's reached out to the right people and helped them or encouraged them or backed them up on their own thoughts and methods. But next week's going to be fun. We're going to have a guest. It's about all that we can say right now, but it's going to be a blast. I mean, like always, but uh, without releasing too much more, I think we're going to have to sadly put the podcast to an end here, especially before we start sending out bloopers to everyone. Not bloopers, what am I saying? There's a blooper for you. Spoilers. I meant to say spoilers. <laughs> well, guys, let's go ahead and do the original run-through here. You know, if you want to reach out to the team, message us, contact us, get on the podcast, investigate with us, all that good stuff. If you have questions, concerns, or comments, simply type in P-I-L-T Paranormal in the Google search bar, and you will find everything there pop up from our website, Facebook, Instagram, and the podcast, and other fun outlets that we're attached to, just like a haunted object. <laughs> and, uh, of course, you know, we'll reach back out to you as soon as possible, and, you know, especially if you have topics for the podcast or you have comments, we'd love to share that or get that on board as well and go from there. Andy, I have to say, today's podcast has been pretty fun. I had a blast, and it's good to be back where we belong what do you think absolutely this is actually one of my favorite topics so i really enjoyed tonight's episode wonderful wonderful yeah me too man just like always i always have a blast talking with you and talking about the paranormal absolutely well everyone out there thank you once again for listening and please stay tuned in for upcoming podcast and keep up with the team and uh, until next time stay frosty and we'll talk to you then <laughs>